Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Well, as I'm recording this, it is 4th of July weekend. 4th of July this year is on a Tuesday, but some of us have an extended weekend. Hopefully you do too, and if not, I hope you at least have off for the 4th so you can spend some time with family and friends and enjoy the day and keep in mind why we have that day and how our independence was fought for and won, and to appreciate that. Now, I haven't done one of these interviews in a while, but today's spotlight is on two creators, Caleb Palmquest and John Grimes, and their Kickstarter called A Small Favor. A Small Favor is an epic sci-fi story, one man's thousand-year journey, and it's an anthology-style sci-fi comic with eight talented artists working on the book. There's a main artist, and then there's several other artists that do the art on flashback sequences in the story. And this Kickstarter is to fund chapter two. Now you'll be able to get chapter one and chapter two together if you back this Kickstarter. Listen to the interview, see what you think about the story. You can even check out the first chapter online and we're gonna talk about that, how you can scope it out for free, see if it's worth uh, investing a little money in for the Kickstarter and help these two fellas out. Hey, at the very least, you're going to hear an entertaining interview, as always, and find out more about the two of them. Like what you hear? Let me know what you think. Rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Now, on to our interview with Caleb Palmquest and John Grimes on A Small Favor, here now on Creator Talks. Caleb and John, welcome to Creator Talks. Hi. Hey, thanks for having us. It's great to have you both here, both the writers of the Kickstarter, a small favor. Before we begin, though, I just want to throw something out here that so folks know. Caleb was my editor at Word of the Nerd. We were, were both alumni, uh, both worked for them. And you gave me my first assignments. And you're no longer with Word of the Nerd right now, right? You're doing other things. Yep, that's and how, true. How long were you with them? Well, maybe a little over a year. Yeah, I think I started in October of 2015, and and then I was with them for about a year before I just uh, I went into a, a teaching program um, uh, to get my teaching certification, and I sort of didn't really have enough time uh, to keep going on with them. But uh, but I still, you know, talked to Brian and and some of the other guys over there. Oh, yeah. No, I still stay in touch. I actually went to the Charlotte Con for the first time. I was excited about going because I've been to the Baltimore, and it's a very much a creator-type uh, con. There's not a lot of celebrities there. And in Charlotte, there are none. There are no celebrities outside of comics. And I saw Brian there. I actually I bumped into him. He was wow. filming an interview, and I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> so I was hoping I'd see him because I was like tweeting stuff and saying, I'll be around. So uh, we tried to get together that last evening. I only stayed for two days because Sunday okay. was Father's Day. So I couldn't hook up with them because I was meeting up with people in the hotel. And I'm telling you, it was it was incredible. There were like so many creators just hanging out in the bar in the hotel, which is right across the street from the center. I'm like, I got to stay. <laughs> so many people to talk to. Uh, but yeah, I saw about um, – you know, you've always wanted to well, – you, well, you did mention – I don't know if it's always been this way, but you did mention that you were thinking about getting your teaching certification. I think it was on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. go for it. And I see you got it. Um, and you're going to be teaching uh, – what is this now? It's a um, – Teaching English, middle school. Middle school. Uh, middle school English, yep. 
Great. And John, um, so what are you working on besides a small favor? What are you doing? Uh, day job? Uh, other things that you're into? Uh, so my day job is actually I work at uh, Amazon.com as a software engineer. Ah. So, uh, and I'm actually rather new to, to comics in general. I'm more of a, I'm a games kind of guy and an outdoors kind of guy. So a lot of this um, comic stuff, I'm still getting my... Uh, Getting up to speed with everything that uh, Caleb's helping. Okay, good. Well, it's great to have a unique perspective when you two are writing something. And that, that John, you have the great outdoors and gaming. And Amazon is great, so I guess you're one of the guys that figures out the programs and says, you might like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird when my wife buys stuff on Amazon because it's like, you might like. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Not on me. <laughs> so... um yeah, that's great. Uh, John, have you been reading any comics just to kind of get some background on the storytelling, the structure, the flow, just to get a feel for it? Only only a handful. So generally, what I've been trying to do, at least, is read, uh, read the comics that the people we've hired uh, have written, just to, to get all of their various perspectives and see what their um, experience is. Uh, but otherwise, haven't really gotten into the whole comic scene that much still. Uh, John actually has read a lot of manga, which I would say is, you know, really just the first cousin of American comics. So um, I think he has more experience with that kind of storytelling than he lets on. Yeah, I have no experience with manga. Uh, so I respect the fact that you know a lot about it because I just don't. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's a different way of, of storytelling. It doesn't. It, don't you read it like from what would be considered the back to the front? Yeah, if you if you're reading it in uh, in a physical format, typically mm-hmm. I, I'm more of a digital guy. But yes, in the individual pages as well, you have to, you have to remember to read in the opposite direction we normally do. Otherwise, you're going to confuse yourself with which <laughs> panel goes where. Okay. All right. It's doing really well in Japan and even over here. It's, it's been a very successful way to tell stories in that format. And the digital, too, is great. Um, getting into your Kickstarter, a small favor. And I want to congratulate you guys on reaching your goal already. Thank you. But it, that's not the end because you have some stretch goals in mind, too. So there's still, by the time this gets uh, posted for everyone to listen to, you should have about nine days left until the campaign is over. Now, people might be saying, well, what's the campaign all about? And this is, now, just correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, now you're actually getting the funding together for the second chapter of the book. That's right. And if you you can jump on board and get the first book too, which you can check out at, uh, I think it's Taptastic? Taptastic. Taptastic, Uh, okay. So if you're not sure what it's about, you can actually see the first chapters and, and get a copy too when you pledge. That's right. Uh, the The printed edition is actually both chapter one and two in one sort of 100, 130 or 40 page graphic novel collected like a trade. And this is that's the only place you can get the physical copy is through your Kickstarter. Uh, for now, yeah. For now, yeah. I mean, there's no other outlets for this. This is going to be the first physical copy of one and two together. That's true, yep. Have you guys thought about or have you tried or, or planned to go to any conventions in the near future to uh, help promote the book? Because this is going to continue on. This is just chapter two you're working on right now. 
Right. Um, yeah, we have had a lot of conversations about it. We're still not uh, totally sure what we're going to do, but we have definitely had long conversations about uh, cons because, of course, John is based in Seattle and I am based um, in Florida, in uh, near Tampa, Florida. And so we have a lot of really cool conventions near both of us. Um, and so it's definitely something we've talked about. Oh, that's great. I mean, it might be difficult for you to get together. <laughs> It'd be rather yeah. expensive, but you've got you got it covered coast to coast. So yeah, you do have great conventions all along the eastern seaboard and west coast. It's a shame I I can't get out west. So it's great that you can cover things probably like well next year Emerald Con and other great ones out there. There's plenty of creator based ones that really focus on creators versus like San Diego. I mean, that would be great. That's huge. Right. So you probably yeah. want to get some place where you can get a little closer to the people and chat with them. Right. So with this book, it's kind of a, it's a sci-fi. It's about yep. an immortal, and he's trying to figure out why is he immortal? Why is he not able to die and lives on? So this jumps back and forth from a current story to flashbacks. Yes. And you've used different artists to do that. Yeah, that's right. So every single uh, time we flashback, our main story that takes place in the year 2811 is all drawn by our sort of what we call our main artist. Um, his name is Noah Meese, and he's based out of New York. But then for each time we do a flashback, and there are a lot of flashbacks in the story because it takes place over a thousand years. Every time we do a flashback for every different era or time, there's a different artist. So we have, um, so far, we have eight different artists. And if we reach our stretch goal, we'll have our ninth artist joining the book. And that person, they've already done, I think some of their art's on the Kickstarter page, you could actually see what it would look like if that that chapter gets added. Yeah, our stretch goal artist, her name is Angela Fullard. Um, she also has a comic on Tapastic that's very cute. It's sort of like a, an Adventure Time style comic. Um, and uh, she drew the first page of our stretch goal story, which is on our Kickstarter. And uh, so, yeah, you can definitely check that out. Yeah, I checked out the uh, first chapter. And it was interesting. I, I noticed that Lee Maluski did one of the stories, and I actually have his uh, Hunter's Lore. I funded oh. that. Yeah. So I've and, and I'm waiting for 1939. So I'm familiar with his work. That's a good choice. Lee is uh, probably one of my favorite people in the world. Um, like he has done a ton of cool stuff on Kickstarter. So if you're interested, anyone who's listening is interested in Lee's work. Um, the best place to check him out really is Kickstarter because he does these really sort of like small print run sort of boutique stories where if you don't back it on Kickstarter, like you've lost your chance. Um, so he's very exclusive, but he has done like a lot of really cool stories. Um, and he is the best person to work with if you're a writer trying to hire an artist because he's fast, he's got amazing art, and he's so friendly. Oh, yeah, and he'll show, like, process pictures. He'll post those of him actually working on something and getting into the coloring and everything. So it's it's fascinating work. It's, it's really great to have uh, scored him for the book. So, John, how are you and Caleb working together to write the story? Um, it's probably a question you get a lot. How do two people come together to collaborate and come up with the finished script for the artists? So we've been working on this now for, I think, maybe going on two years. Um, so a lot of times what we do is one of us starts out by writing a segment. So say we take one of the flashbacks, one of us has some inspiration 
uh, to write it. And then from there, we turn it from notes to pages, and we go through actually quite a few revisions uh, before we end up with what you see now. Are you writing in any way to tailor to the artist that you've have for that particular chapter? Because they're all a little different in their style, and they're all very good. I mean, you've, you've definitely picked some very good people. So are you adjusting the writing in any way to fit that person's style? Typically, we choose the artists based on the story, not the other way around. I would say that's true for sure. I mean, I, I think that it's possible in some cases uh, our writing has been influenced by the writer we chose, but a lot of times we'll write the story and then we go hunting for an artist. So um, we've got one artist, um, his name is Ravenis. He uh, drew our story. It's one of our flashback stories where our main character is sort of going to this uninhabited world and just sort of uh, relaxing on the world for a second, taking some time away from his life. And this world is this like vibrant sort of lush jungle world. And, um, and we knew that we needed an artist that could really draw some like crazy, beautiful landscapes. And um, Ravenis is this artist who draws this webcomic called Discordia, which is sort of a surreal kind of fantasy comic. And the story is just full of these amazing landscapes and uh and all like really great imagery and uh once we had written the story and i found ravenis i knew that it was a perfect match so um you know then we just like really went after him um and i think that's the case with a lot of the stories that we did um we have another story um our story where in the first chapter where there's a sort of a secret moon mission called the Artemis program, which follows the Apollo program. The artist we have, his name is, he likes to go by Nick OG, and he, you can find him on DeviantArt, but he does these really great sort of machines, uh, spaceships, um, that kind of thing. And so that was another case where we had written the story, and then we found an artist who just perfectly matched what we were trying to do. So yeah, like John said, I would definitely say the writing came first in most cases. And you've definitely taken this project very seriously, as anybody would who's working on a project of this nature. But you have done your research and your homework on finding the right artists and how to get those artists. Because you recently had, I think just in the past week, uh, Caleb, an article published on Bleeding Cool, 10 Rules for Hiring Indie Comics Artists. And really good tips. I mean, you know, you have to put your money where your mouth is. If you want good art, you're going to have to pay for it. Not that you can't negotiate. you got to pay for it. And you need to make your payments on time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a, uh, the article was really fun to write because, like John said, we've been working on this for about two years. And, you know, in that time, um, one of the big things has been finding artists and working with them. And, of course, if we didn't have good relationships with those artists, then the whole thing would have been miserable. But we've had a great time. And, uh, and we've made a lot of friends sort of in the indie comics community because I think we've approached it in the right way, or at least most of the time we've approached it in the right way. And when we haven't, we've, you know, sort of learned from our mistakes. And I think that most of the people we've worked with would say that we're cool to work with. And, um, but, but that part of it, the relationship part of it, you know, because it's not, you're not going to Walmart and buying some bananas, you know, like you're working with another person, like you're entering into a partnership with somebody. Uh, that was sort of what that article was about, you know, was like really making sure that, that it's a good 
partnership and that you're, uh, you know, there's respect on both sides. Absolutely. And I think anyone who's thinking of writing a book and getting an artist or doing an independent book or doing a Kickstarter should read that article. You'll save yourself a world of heartache of trying to go into it blind and find someone because uh, there are certain things you have to do. I mean, these artists, they have to eat like the rest of us. They're not doing this for free. It is a living. So, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta really be willing to put some skin in the game, and invest some time and some money into your project if you really believe in it and if you're confident in it, you'll do it. Um, now you have great artists lined up. You're jumping back and forth in time and you're tailoring. Well, the artist fits the the story, and um, you're planning to go forward because besides that additional chapter is one of the stretch goals. Another stretch goal is to get funding started early for chapter three that's our ten thousand dollar stretch goal which might be uh, sort of aiming for the moon but we um definitely have a plan to move forward with the story we have six chapters plotted out already and uh, that's sort of the first arc of our story so uh we plan to continue a small favor for at least that long and uh so yeah obviously if we get that much money on our Kickstarter, we would definitely be moving forward ahead of time because we would have the funds to do it. I'm trying to remember, when do you think this, now you've reached your initial funding goal, so when would this be ready in digital and then in print? Most of the art for Chapter 2 has is sort of like in the process of being done, and it's going to take a while because it's like, how many pages do we have in Chapter 2, John? It's at least 40. It's, it's, it's oh, 52. longer. Oh, 52 pages. You have a 40 pages of flash pack and, and 52 pages total. Yeah, so it's it's a, quite a bit longer than our first chapter, and we all that art is, is currently being done by only two artists. There's a few extra artists that are doing little bits here and there, but for the most part, it's two artists, and so it's going to take them a while to finish everything. So I think uh, around November is when we're going to have the digital um edition ready and then as soon as we can after that we're going to get it sent off to printers so hopefully in early next year we'll be shipping out our printed copies okay and people may wonder like why so long well again like we were talking about they have to get paid and all this money for the kickstarter a good chunk of it if you look you can see this right on kickstarter 70 percent goes to pay the artists so that's why a kickstarter is needed and that's what a lot of the funds are for is to pay them so they can do the work and they can't do the work until they get paid. So, yeah, I right. mean, that's why it takes a while. But you want to make sure that you meet your goal and you can pay everyone. Um, so, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, that's not that far off. It goes by very quickly, especially when you're working so hard on getting that art done. Um, what else can you guys tell me about this Kickstarter that makes it so unique? Because there's a lot out there. There's a lot to choose from. So what is it about this story and the way you put it together that's a must read well, I would definitely say that probably our number one sort of selling point on the book is the all the artists that we have on it because this is a story about a guy who's lived for a thousand years, but because he's lived for so long, he hasn't been static for a thousand years. People change over time, even in our short, you know, mortal lifespans, we change. And to live for a thousand years means that you go through a lot of experiences and and that's sort of part of the reason why we wanted to get all these different artists on the project is because we wanted to show all these sort of different um, ideas and perspectives and uh, and styles and I think that even though 
the art styles on the book are very different. I think the story is very cohesive. Um, and I think that, uh, especially as you move forward with the story, things start to flow together. There's so much beautiful art on this book. I mean, I go back and read what we've already created an unhealthy amount of times, you know, and I'm every time I'm always really amazed at like the incredible artists that we got to be on the book. In my opinion, a lot of times, if if you're going to be buying a story, the story has to be good. And I think we've really spent a lot of time making sure we have this world where we have rules and we follow these rules and we try to do a lot of research and keeping things cohesive. So, I mean, like I mentioned, we spent two years now writing this. So we spent on the on the first chapter, we spent a year trying to write it, make sure everything uh, made sense. We plotted out our timelines. We know what our main character, James, is going to be doing and when he does it. Uh, and you can you can see that when we skip around. We're actually very precise with telling the reader when and where we are. Uh, so you can sort of form an idea, uh, like, a, like a very uh, broad idea of, of what, where he's going and what he's doing with his life. What you don't see when you're reading the comic is we actually have a document that details a thousand years. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in between, and maybe we'll get to telling those, all, all those stories eventually. Maybe some of them will just sort of remain in the background. But like John was saying, when James is, you know, doing one thing in one story and then you see the next story and it's 150 years later, he, he wasn't just sitting around sucking his thumb in between. Like, we know what he was doing. And I think that that hopefully that comes through when you read it. And uh, so, yeah, like John said, we have worked very hard to build the world of the story. To putting all that work into building the world before even getting to putting pen to paper and starting to write the story is is a huge benefit and it really makes a much for a much better story and i was just impressed with how so many artists are being used to tell a different chapter in this person's life and using one artist for the present time story as we as i would call it it's in the future but that a person's present time so coordinating all of that and getting together good artists to do these two chapters is very impressive so I hope – well, it has worked out, which is great, but that doesn't mean people should just sit back and say, oh, okay, if you don't jump on, you're going to miss out. You can't get one. Plus, we like to see those stretch goals reached because, you know, let's get started on Chapter 3. So um, great. Uh, I just have a few questions that are just fun questions. I ask all my guests, and it's under rest and relaxation, I call it. And I'd like to know from each of you what you like to do for rest and relaxation when you're not working – and when you're not writing, John, we'll start with you. What I like to do is I like to learn stuff. That's something that I do all the time. I even uh, find myself accidentally uh, staying up past uh, the time I need to get to bed just because I found something interesting to, to read about. But really, the vacations that I like to take, like I mentioned, I'm, a, I'm an outdoors guy. I like to go backpacking, uh, uh, you know, spend, spend a weekend out away from everything, um, uh, this year, I'm I'm going in about a month. It's going to be about a, a five day trip this time. Uh, I work with technology, but it it's still nice to get away from everything for a long weekend. That's great. No, I love to go out backpacking. I mean, I don't do the overnight, you know, put up a tent, and sleep under the stars, but I do like to go out and hike, like either a desert trail or a mountain trail. Uh, and it is great just to get away and disconnect 
for a while from all the technology. Because when you get out far enough, technology doesn't work in a lot of cases. So uh, you can really get back to nature and kind of have a chance to catch your breath, unwind. You're ready to go back to work or whatever you're doing. But yeah, that's great. Where are some of the places you've backpacked before? So typically, um, I've been doing it around uh, the state of Washington. Um, so actually pretty close. But Washington has a really wide variety of different climates and different sort of places to go. So they, we've got, you know, we've got tons of different mountains and forests. Uh, we have a desert, of course. Um, and so this year I'm actually going out more towards the coast. Uh, we have a, a park called Olympic National Park that's actually um, a rainforest. So it's going to be new to me. Usually we go backpacking much drier areas. Uh, we don't have to worry about um, the rain as much. But um, here we're going to have some new experiences there. I envy you. <laughs> I wish I could go out there and backpack. I'd like to get out there someday. That's uh, It's on the bucket list to get to the West Coast, the Northwest, and, and check it out. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a chance to hit that territory yet. Caleb, how about you for uh, rest and relaxation? I like to, to unwind, I like to get outside, but I don't go on the epic adventures that John goes on. Uh, <laughs> I typically like to plug in an audiobook and, you know, go on sort of long walks because uh, I'm always uh, doing something, uh, maybe to a fault. I can't stop myself from getting involved with something all the time. And so if I'm able to sort of... It's not really disconnecting because I have my phone with me with the audiobook, but I mean, you know, I don't look at my phone. I put the audiobook in and sort of zone out and and go because, uh, you know, that gives me some time to, like, be mentally still and just enjoy something. That's probably my number my number one way to relax. I, I'm actually originally from Washington, not exactly where John lives, but we sort of uh, grew up together and went to high school together. Um, before I moved down to uh, Florida. And I will say that um, if you want to do outdoor adventures, Washington is the place to do it, or the Northwest. Um, Florida is awesome. There's lots of cool beaches, um, but nothing beats sort of adventuring and backpacking in the Northwest. It's probably the most beautiful place on Earth, um, in my humble opinion. I've seen travel shows and seen hiking shows. I'm like, oh, I want to get there. You know, I've been to the Southwest. I've been to the West Coast, but never there. So, yeah, that's it does look great. And uh, Florida is wonderful, too. I've been there, but it's a different experience. It's a different environment, and you can enjoy it for what it is. But if you really want to go out and hike, yeah, that's a Northwest great place to go. My other question is, what would be your island book if you had one book? that you could have with you. There's no power, there's no electricity, no cell phones, you just have a book. Could be a set of books if it's part of the same volume collection. What would that book be? And Caleb, we'll start with you on this one. Oh man, that's a hard question. Because you're going to be reading this book for a while. Right. <laughs> you know, this it has to be something one, you, yeah, you'd want to read over and over again. Uh, this might be a little weird, but the book, The Man Who Was Thursday by G.K. Chesterton, is one of my favorite books of all time. It's uh, J.K. Chesterton was sort of a famous uh, Catholic writer. He wrote a lot of novels as well, and this novel is about a detective in England, in London. I, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything about the book if anyone out there wants to read it. If you like detective stories and you like stories that really go off the rails and get really weird, um, 
The Man Who Was Thursday by G.K. Chesterton is a book I could read, you know, a hundred times and not get bored. You get something different out of it each time? Yeah, a little I would more. say so for yeah. sure. Okay, that's a good one. And John, how about you? An Island Book. That's a, that's a tough one. So I generally don't like to reread books. Uh, so I'm going to have to choose one that, that's on my bookshelf that I haven't read yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. So th- this is going to be more in, in, the, uh, in the mindset of, of what, a, what a software engineer would be interested in. There's a book called um, like, uh, Godel Escher Bach. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so this book is sort of a, a series of, of concepts, like various concepts with uh, mathematics, music, art, uh, and the mind. And so it, it really uh, is it's written by, by a famous computer software uh, engineer called, uh, named Douglas Hofstadter. Uh, he, he's uh, very famous in terms of um, writing standards and writing uh, about software development. Uh, and so this really would be something that I want to read uh, on an island because it really makes you think. It's not just words on a page. It, it makes you think about what's going on and, and why it's important and, uh, and how you're thinking about things. And so when you read it through it, I've only read through a little bit so far, it really, um, it, it really makes you stop and think. And so you're, it's not a book you can just read through and be done with. It's a book that you're really going to be uh, having to go back through many times. That's an older book, isn't it? Hasn't that been out for a while? Like for, for years? Yeah, 19, 1979. Okay, because I've heard of it. I remember as far back as like college, people mentioning go to Lesherbach, and I was like, I have to read that sometime. So maybe, yeah. maybe I'll put that on my it's, list. It's a, very, it's a very long book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Oh, so On the Island is perfect then. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Now, John, this is easier. Your beverage of choice. This is not on the island because I, I think that would be water or iced tea. But you know, <laughs> when you're kicking back and you're reading or working um, software or whatever, just uh, your beverage of choice. What you like to drink? I'm kind of a kind of a weird guy when it comes to beverages. I actually prefer water. Okay. Even if I go out to eat with, uh, you know, and I have my dinner paid for for some reason or another, I typically stick with water. Although recently I've been experimenting with. Um, Different brands of uh, of craft root beer. Ah, I've been uh, I got I got a case of forty eight different ones, and I and I went through all those. Wait, wait, how, how, many, how many? How many? Forty eight. Forty eight. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh wow. <laughs> so, some were good. Some not so much. Uh, some had some weird added flavors to them. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The fruit beers. Root beer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I just wanted to to give it a try. You know, see some different flavors in my sodas other than the typical that you always get everywhere. Yeah. What was your favorite out of all of them? Anything stick with you? I have a list with all of them rated, but <laughs> none of them have particularly. Of course, you have a list. Mind. You're an engineer. Of course, you have a list. <laughs> and of course, they're rated. Right. What a crazy question. <laughs> I so interestingly enough, I didn't rate any of them as a five out of five i, mm. I did get a handful of fours though so okay. i need what i need to do is go back rebuy those ones <laughs> and go go through it again to really to really narrow it down if it is it a 3.8 or is it a 4.1 yeah be, be sure go back as many times as you have to to be sure <laughs> all right 
Caleb, how about you? Your beverage of choice. Well, I'm kind of a coffee addict. Uh, I drink a lot of coffee, and I, I mean, you know, I go through phases in my life where I drink, you know, more coffee than can possibly be healthy, and then I try to cut back, and I swing back and forth on that. But uh, when I'm home, I definitely like to drink just black coffee um, while I'm, you know, reading or working or whatever. I just have to be careful because if I'm in the zone writing or reading or whatever, I can start to go through cup after cup. And before I, you know, before I realize it, I've drank, you know, eight cups in one day and that, that can't possibly be good. No, I, <laughs> I don't think so. I, can, I have to be careful too. And I, I'll switch to decaf after a while. Like I'm actually on a decaf iced coffee now because I'm going to be outside later in the heat and I don't want to be all dehydrated. So yeah, you got to be careful how much you drink. Do you go to coffee shops and try their coffee or do you just do your own homebrew or? I go to coffee shops um, for sure. I mean, not as much now. Um, I used to live in a place where I was very close to sort of the downtown area of St. Petersburg where I live and I would uh, go to more of the, uh, the, I mean, St. Petersburg is like a very culturally rich city. And so there's lots of little coffee shops and stuff, but I would say now just purely to save money too, um, I'll go to my favorite coffee shop and buy some coffee and take it home so I can make it at home. I mean, when you, uh, when you drink as much coffee as, as I do, it can be pricey to go out and buy your coffee oh, for yeah. every, every cup. <laughs> I do make my own. I like to grind it actually in the morning kind of get it set up and uh one of the things i actually shared on social media a good tip to not wake everybody up in the household is i smother it with a blanket so you don't hear that loud grinding sound downstairs <laughs> everyone stays asleep and then i just pour it in and make the fresh coffee and you know it's fresh it hasn't been sitting on the burner all day like some coffee shops right. and uh, you know one thing that really really drives me nuts is a lot of the coffee shops now one that's very famous likes to do mobile orders you can go on your phone and order ahead of time well that's just great but when i walk in to get my coffee i didn't mobile order it they're all ahead of me in line and i'm waiting longer and sometimes they're waiting so they're not quite able to handle that increased volume from the mobile orders oh yeah and it baffles me because like some of these places are known for handcrafted lattes and i want mine fresh i want to enjoy it and relax not run in grab it and run out for my daily caffeine fix it kind of defeats the purpose i'm just on my soapbox now about that because it happened this morning i was like what what's going on <laughs> so uh yeah it, it it does save money at home it is going to be the way you like it yeah yeah i mean no I, I totally agree though when i when i do go to a coffee shop now i like to go you know, in the morning and when I don't have uh, other obligations coming up for an hour or so and I sit down in the coffee shop and I relax um, because to me otherwise, what's the point? I mean, if I'm paying, I might as well get the ambiance and relax. Exactly. Um, Absolutely. I, I wish people would understand that everything doesn't have to be on an app and mobile order. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything yeah. should be that way. <laughs> totally. Well, those were all great responses. I loved them. Those are great. And I just want to remind everybody again, they can go on now, back to Kickstarter, a small favor. And if you go to Taptastic, you can read the first chapter and you'll find out why it's called a small favor, where that phrase came from. So check that out. See what you think. And you still have some time, but time is running out if you want to jump on and get on board uh, for this wonderful anthology. 
Caleb, John, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks and the best of luck with the book. Okay, and that wraps up my interview with Caleb and John, and I hope you check out their Kickstarter, A Small Favor, while time still remains. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Let me know what you think. You can reach out to me on social media, at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And also, you can shoot me an email through my website, creatortalks.com. That's creatortalks.com. And by the way, I've revised the website. I've added a playlist at the top of the homepage so you can see all the episodes. And the most current one will be ready to play. And you can just click on any episode in that playlist from the beginning of the show, and it'll be ready to play. You can also download it from there. But don't forget, Creator Talks is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So check that out. And if you like it, you think it's helpful, let me know. I think the site's loading faster that way, and it's easier to find quickly an episode that you want to check out. And if you have some time, I'd appreciate it if you'd rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or both. And of course, don't forget to subscribe. That's the easiest way to make sure you get your episodes every week, and they come out on Thursday. Now, lately, I've been doing Monday and Thursday, and I promised my family I would kick back to just one episode a week. We're getting there, but I have a few more in queue. One more coming up this Thursday. Another creator who has a publication through Insane Comics, the last of our Insane Comics. And that's the last one I have in queue, so that'll wrap that up. So please join me on Thursday to learn about that creator and their book and about the Vegas Comic Con. Well, enjoy your holiday if you have a chance. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.